Hello, and welcome to episode 80 of the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast. Today, we are talking about market research as it relates to your target audience, but not in a way that you might traditionally think of it. We are talking about lean market research and why a lot of businesses are opting to conduct this research over traditional market research. And as you recall, market research is the first step in our nine-step digital marketing process, which is our blueprint here at 21 Handshake for success, for marketing success. And um, if you don't know the nine-step digital process, go back and listen to episode 68 where we talk about that in detail. That's a really great, important episode to get an overview of what the nine-step process is. But first, if you're new here, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Sarah, your podcast host and account manager here at 21 Handshake. I'm Ashley, also an account manager. My name is Alex. I'm a creative manager. So why do we talk about market research and include it in the nine-step process? Well, first of all, because if you don't know who you're targeting and what they really want, your marketing is going to fall flat. And I think we'd all agree that around the table. (laughs) So we dive deep into target persona and determining the scope of your market into episode 69. So be sure and go listen to that. This one is a little bit different today. So we're talking about market research, but that's a very broad term. And today we're going to talk a little bit more on some exact how-tos of conducting the research. So... Like I said, market research is huge, huge term. And according to IBIS World, which ironically is a market (laughs) industry industry research firm. So they're coming out with stats on market research, actually, in their market research firm. I just find that funny. (laughs) Anyways, they say that market research as an industry is a $23.3 billion industry. So, wow, that's huge. (laughs) And so, again, market research, huge, broad term. But I think why that industry is so huge and that number is so big is because market research, it's like this holy grail of never-ending quest. So just when you think you know your market, they someone comes out with a brand new product, you come out with a new brand new product or service, there's some type of generational shift or change that happens, a competitor comes out with something new, totally changes the market. So it's huge. Market research is important always to be doing on a continual basis. And the more you know about what's going on in the market with your products, like better off and more precise you can put your dollars. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You want to know what's happening out there. So, you know, you can be more competitive. Mm -hmm. You can know who best to target to. Um, There's just so much in market research. Um, So that's why it is a foundational step in our nine-step process because you have to know who you're targeting. You have to know what's out there. It's It's just huge. But when we say market research, I think a lot of people immediately think, oof, that's expensive. That's just, I got to go hire a firm and it's going to cost thousands. And if you're a bigger corporation, maybe even more than that. So, or it's going to eat up all of my time and it's going to be this huge project that I just don't have the time for. Yeah. And then I'm going to get all this data and I'm never going to use it because it's just going to sit in a report somewhere and the team is never even going to look at that. <laughs> so Alex, why are all these conceptions out there from price? to I'm never going to use it, to this is just taking too much time. <laughs> well, I think a large part of that is they're 
thinking about traditional market research versus kind of more more modern market research. And, Which we're going to be talking about today. So Yeah. So <laughs> traditional market research is more of like your focus groups, long reports. It is a very human capital intensive process. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the, the, the larger the scope of your research, the more humans behind it, the more humans behind it, the more it's going to cost. Um, and there's also very much a correlation between, you know, like a, you get what you pay for type of a thing. Mm -hmm. And Traditionally, I think when you hear about companies doing really big market research projects, you're thinking more of national companies or international companies. If they're looking to enter a new market, they want to make sure that there truly either is interest um, or they can break into it correctly or what they are thinking is kind of their avatar is is accurate. And it's it's better for them to risk whatever half a million dollars on a on a big market research report then go in <laughs> and lose millions of dollars on products on manufactured products that don't sell yeah that's true so, so yeah if you're maybe thinking of like coca-cola is coming out with a product right that's you know, more of the long lines yeah, of what i'm thinking or definitely. trying to explaining yeah so yeah so whoo millions of dollars that <laughs> doesn't make your head spin i don't know what will because i know if i were about to do some market research I don't have a million dollars to spend. <laughs> so anyways, don't switch the podcast yet. We're not talking about spending millions of dollars on mar our market research today. There's other ways to do it, especially if you're a smaller business. And so what we are going to be talking about today and the tips that we're going to go over today is called lean market research. And we were actually talking before the podcast, Ashley, about how we knew what this was, but we had never really heard it called this before. But we were like, oh yeah, we've heard, we've seen this. We've seen businesses do this. We just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, yeah. So new research techniques, um, such as the lean market research, come from this um, movement of lean um, startups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so again, you know, that bootstrap to the ground type of startup and I think that's where like that lean funds comes are tight. In. We only have so many employees who need to do everything and every anything in order to get this company off the ground to make sure we're still profitable, um, keeping things really lean to fit our small budget, um, which is why I'm so excited to talk about um, this market research strategy, because most mm -hmm. businesses don't have a gigantic budget for market research, but it's super valuable. Yeah, so valuable. But like you said, they don't have this this budget for it. And um, especially if you are that lean market startup or lean startup, rather, <laughs> I'm getting the two interchanged there. And you're kind of focused on this, like build, measure, learn, continuous cycle. And that's kind of the startup mm -hmm. world, what they do. Um, and this translates nicely to that. And even beyond, even if you're not a startup, I think this is still some good practices here that we're going to go over. Yeah. So yeah, so let's let's dive in. Yep. So there are five defining principles, right, of what kind of is considered. Of course, there's probably lots of other thoughts out there, <laughs> but we liked these five defining principles yes. of what lean market research is. Yeah. So these principles come from Scott Albro from Topo, and we thought these were great points to hit on. They're very broad. Um, and so we'll dive a little bit deeper um, in this podcast. Yeah, but episode, to give you but, an overview. Yeah. So um, starting off with marketing should engage customers directly as opposed to using third party companies, um, which right there saves you so much money. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. You don't go to have to go hire some big firm um, who and I think it makes it more relevant as well, um, you know, because a third party firm, 
I don't know. They just, they, it goes back they're to not like, as tied to your mission as you are. It goes back to those 2020 trends where we were talking about like the value of having a personalized experience. Like I would so much rather talk to the owner of the company of a product that I've tried rather than someone that they hired who I have no touch points with whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, the next one says that marketing should place a higher value on a small number of high quality conversations as opposed to a large number of like just say surveys the generic surveys yeah um so i think that's a, a great point i'm excited to dive a little bit deeper but right yeah which makes me think like i don't know if you guys ever received this in the mail but i used to back in the day get weird market research surveys like <laughs> and like almost like they would be like the old scantron test and you would like fill in the dot and i would be like why am i being sent this it's such a waste of my time i don't even care about this product sometimes i would send them in so you know that was not valuable at all to whatever company because I couldn't have cared less. Right. <laughs> um, the next one says that marketing should be continuously collecting insights and intelligence as opposed to conducting infrequent big bang research studies. And I could not agree with this more. Um, consistency is definitely the way to go. Um, I think just like generally in any industry, in any business, like consistency will get you very far. Well, especially as fast as markets move these days, I think yeah. doing that big bang study, it might be relevant for a month and then it's going to change because the market shifts. Yes. I mean, there's a reason we have a new topic to talk about every week on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see. The next one says marketing should use low cost self-serve research technologies as opposed to cumbersome, expensive services. And I feel like this one's kind of a no brainer um, in terms of if you're working with a lean budget. Yeah, definitely. You know, you don't have the budget for that million dollar study. Don't, don't break <laughs> don't, yourself or, over or it. Or just don't go waste your money on that. Yeah. I just I want to I want to toss out a real world example of this real quick. Yeah. So there's a there's a, a camera the camera that I've been interested in recently. It's a it's a smaller manufacturer from China and they're they're not super popular yet. They are not in the they don't play in the realm of like Canon and mm. Nikon yet. And so what they do, what they've fundamentally changed about the way that they've approached the market is so they they have a Facebook group and currently it's got like 8,000 members in okay. it. And, and the CEO and the CTO of the companies are really active in the group and constantly asking for people's feedback on like what they think about um, this feature of the camera or that feature of the camera. And what they've done is instead of what most companies will do is like they'll they'll release a camera um wait a couple years and then they'll release another camera yeah. that has improvements with what people with generally what people had complaints about what this company has been doing is they've been releasing firmware updates and they've probably done about five of them over the last year just based on feedback alone oh. that improves that improves what the camera's current capabilities are so instead of releasing a new product they're just updating the technology inside the existing product and and just just listening to what people have to say and that's i love cool. that because yeah. that that that's, hits yeah. every every single one of these principles so the last one number five is marketing should become the voice of the customer mm -hmm. and use Perfect. insights to transform the business as opposed to conducting research in a vacuum and so that is a, a great example of how they're they're hitting all five of those principles engaging with customers directly putting a higher value on quality conversations mm -hmm. Um, continuously collecting insights, um, using low-cost methods like social media, and um, being the voice of the customer. Yeah. This Boom. is like, you know, and it's, <laughs> I think we live in a world right now where it's so easy to get this real-time feedback. Like you said, this is yeah. all just in a Facebook group that this is happening. 
And the people who started the company are in there, look, you know, asking questions, asking this or that because they want to better their product for mm -hmm. you guys. Just that just um, totally describes lean market research in a nutshell. What yeah. a great example. That's just really cool. Do, do you own the camera, by the way? Yeah, I want to know. On it. <laughs> Working on it. Is it quite pricey? Um, well, what's cool. So what is also cool about this camera is they've made what has formerly been very expensive technology much more kind of like prosumer level pricing mm -hmm. oh. um, and accessible. Okay. So the company is called Zcam mm. and they've basically taken, you know, what have been traditionally considered like very expensive cinema cameras and just put it into a much smaller platform that's much more accessible to your average videographer. Wow. So yeah. cool. That is cool. That is very cool. So a lot of that was law technical speak, so I probably didn't really <laughs> understand it, but it sounds super yeah. neat <laughs> for, for our videographer. Yes. So anyway, so let's break this down into how we could coach our clients through this because it sounds a little big still, even to kind of, where do I start with lean market research? It still kind of sounds, you know, okay, so do I need to get a Facebook focus group or like, you know, where, what pieces do you start with? So just a little word as well. I mentioned episode 69 a little bit ago where we also talked about market research. And that one is a little bit different than this one. So, um, you know, if you wanted to explore that one, just to give you a heads up that, you know, we did talk about that as being part of the nine step process. But that one pertained mostly to secondary data, which we think is very important. And there's so many places out there that you can get secondary data for free these days. Google Insights, your analytics, your... Google AdWords, research papers, studies. And we often talk about studies here on the podcast as well. That episode talked about secondary data. We're talking more here about primary data. Um, and we will dig into what that means. So what that means and a tip for starting on lean market research is customer access. So that would be our first um, tip here. What email lists do you have? What uh, social media data do you have? Could I know we talked about surveys, how they couldn't be effective, but if you already have a nice email list, um, what, you know, what kind of can you send out a little small survey to that email list that is already engaged with you? That's easy. It's low cost to do. Um, you could use SurveyMonkey. You could use Google Forms. You could use Typeform. Um, that is easy to do. Um to gain customer access right away to get feedback. And I do like surveys for the record, but I, I feel like they have to be done right. Yes. You know, really um, articulate questions, making sure you're asking the right questions. And um, there's, a, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. <laughs> right, yeah. So to take um, the camera example, you know, they are probably doing this with their current customers. So beyond the, the, the Facebook group where, you know, might be prospective and current, um, I'm sure that they probably also have something out to their current people that own the camera, asking them for even maybe in more intensive feedback and how they're using it. Probably how are you using the camera? How can we help you better use it? Those type of things. Um, that's going to be invaluable because you already have fans of your business and those are your customers and they're pretty much already tied into your mission and your vision and your values. And so asking them for feedback and what they want is going to be pretty valuable information. And sometimes all you got to, you, you might think, oh, my customer, they aren't even going to respond. They're too busy. But usually not. Usually they want to, you know, like I said, they've already bought into your product or your service. And they want to see that kind of succeed because now, you know, they have a relationship with you. 
And I've seen people be really successful when they include small incentives. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so we have done this just on a real simple basis mm-hmm. with um, with uh, gathering Google reviews, our Facebook reviews. And sometimes, you know, and I get these emails, too, from other companies. And whenever they're like, hey, we'll give you 15 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> I'm like, like a gift card. Hey, or a percentage off their next purchase. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to show that you really value that. Yeah. Feedback. So depending on, you know, what type of business if you are. Um, a local coffee shop, you know, could incentivize through, you know, hey, come in, your next cup's on us. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, maybe if you're a more service-based company, you know, maybe that gift card option might be something in, in your budget for the feedback that you need. Mm-hmm. So, All right. What is our second tip? Next tip is focus on quality instead of quantity and asking the right questions or, mm. or asking good questions. Yeah. So we kind of, Ashley, you sort of referenced this, but this is asking, this is going to ask a smaller group of people kind of um, more specific questions instead of just, ask, you know, sending out a, hey, how would you rate our service out of five mm-hmm. stars? That doesn't really necessarily help you as a business. It might right. validate you a little bit in a way, like if you're getting a bunch of good ratings, but it doesn't really give you any actionable um, intel. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the other side of that is, which is asking, asking the right questions or asking good questions is asking stuff very specifically um, about something that you're looking to improve or think that needs to be improved or using feedback that you've mm-hmm. seen somewhere, you know, about your product or service online and then asking your current customers about that. Um, so for example, there's a, there's a company called Bonobos, Bonobos, I think they're kind of a, they're a men's, brand and what you do is basically you kind of like you you put in your measurements online into your account and mm-hmm. like your your physical measurements okay. and then they'll recommend um like certain cuts or styles okay so kind of you. almost like stitch fix for that's the woman's maybe kind yes of like some, that. Okay. similar similar product and so here's an example of they sent an email uh to their customers but it was it was a very specific ask um and what they wanted to do was they wanted to have everybody measure and then send in their neck and sleeve sizes oh because they wanted to match up make sure that their customers who were buying a certain size were buying the correct size based on their measurements mm-hmm. ah you know so uh, like frequently you know you see online there's you'll see okay the model is 510 and is wearing a size x whatever right um this is taking it like four levels deeper and the having you actually measure yourself. And then they're using that information to make sure that they're recommending the correct sizing of a certain product. Mm. So it's it's asking very specifically and like very actionably. Yeah. I feel like I could do a whole podcast episode on how to write a survey that actually gets answers. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's like there's a lot that goes into a good survey, but that is definitely a really a good point. Like I've seen you have no idea how many surveys I've taken where I'm like, <gasps> I don't know what you're looking for or like um mm, I don't get yeah. the point of this question. Like how would that help you? You know, right. they're very general and broad and and um, I think most of the time when people get the results, they're like, okay, now what do I do with it? Like this actually didn't help me. <laughs> yeah. One, one of the things we might talk about this, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but I, I love it when surveys are very specific about the amount of time they're asking of you. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, the hey, little clock only, at the top, our yeah, like, verbiage. Hey, well, we only need 30 say, seconds. Yes, I can take this or no, I'm not even going to bother. Because that's the thing that bothers me the most probably is when you get into a survey and all of a sudden like you click the next button and you're like, 
I'm three percent done. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> what? what? Nope. Click out. I'm I don't have time. Exactly. Yeah, and then you never do it. So, so hopping off myself. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no. So you know, just a little plug too for our coaching. And Ashley brought up asking those right questions and how to write a survey, and that's definitely something that we would go over in coaching. Um, you know, would be how to do that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So our next tip here is called observational research that leads to collaboration, which is really just very fancy for, you know, observing your market and then kind of collaborating with them to, um, you know, make your product better, to give, um, you know, the right product to your audience. Um, You know, you would hate to put in all this investment and then find out that your target audience doesn't even want that product or service. So, um, you know, you can do that in a couple different ways. First, from, you know, the observation part of it. So two basic ways to do that would be like an overt or a covert operation. So um, I'll use the example um, that Hotjar gave in their article, and we'll post that in our show notes. But they so they were working with the company Small PDF, which takes like your Word documents and puts them into a PDF. So for their covert operation, they just stopped by a campus, a college campus, and just started watching kind of how maybe students were using the information on their, now it's gonna sound creepy, like they're watching people, <laughs> how they're using like Word documents and converting them to PDFs, but it works. So, um, you know, you could apply that to um, your own marketplace, depending on the product or service you offer, um, you know, to see how people are using, um, you know, the item that you want to throw out there in the marketplace or how they could potentially use it. Um, A more overt way to do this, if you feel creepy doing the covert operation, um, would be to send out an email and ask. So Small PDF also sent out an email to um, an administrative assistant list that they had and ask if they could come into these people's offices and just observe how they're using this data and how they're converting it, um, you know, from one platform to another. So that would be direct asking how to do it. So two different ways. um, And there's lots of variations there that you could get creative with how to do that and how you're doing your observational research. Um, You know, say you have a product for the dog market, hit up a dog park, even if you don't have a dog, just to see how maybe dog owners are using, you know, this product that, that you have to offer or whatever. And then also collaboration on that. So, um, you know, going back to, you know, let's see, the dog park, maybe. Maybe you have some type of new snazzy dog toy and you offer that for people to use at the dog park. And then you're saying, hey, like, um, this is my mock-up of the product. But let's see how your dog interacts with it. And I can go back and make improvements from there. Or, hey, you as an owner, what do you like about this new dog toy? And, you know, or what annoys you? You're going to get some really good answers. And also then, you know, people are going to feel like, oh, I had a part in making that better. (laughs) (laughs) So lots of lots of ways you can do that. Um, In coaching, we would go over items that would be more specific on how your specific product or service could, you know, observe and collaborate with your target audience. So yeah, so our next one. Um, so continuous cycle of research, going back to being consistent, um, checking in regularly as opposed to, I don't know, quarterly. Um, 
so the article refers to the um the lean startup movement is to rapidly iterate the product based on customer feedback, which goes back to that camera example. I can't get it out of my head. It's, I such, know, a good it's such a good example of getting feedback um, as the company, going back to the drawing board, making a plan, releasing, getting feedback, coming back to the fixing it, releasing. Like it should be a continuous, like never stop learning um, kind of cycle. And and I think that only helps your business grow a lot faster. I mean, think about yeah. it. If you're only checking in like, I don't know, two, to three times a year, think about how much data and time you are like missing where you could be getting really helpful feedback that could just like rocket launch your company. Oh yeah, definitely. And I'll put, we'll put this in the show notes, this really good graph graphic um, about it, describing the lean startup movement, but it also goes back to research that, Build, measure, learn. So build a product, measure it, measure the data, learn, get the ideas, keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Keep going in that circle. And I think any industry would benefit from this. You know, yeah. go and talk to your customers, ask them, ask, ask, ask. It never hurts to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the article says to at least participate in two to three conversations with customers a week. But I think with social media and online platforms, you should be doing a lot more than that. Yeah, you definitely could. Um, so, so truthful to that. But, you know, at the least, yeah. pick up the phone and call them too, Sorry, or try to meet them in person, mm -hmm. or just that continuous loop of information is just so valuable. So, all right. So what is our fifth final tip? It's kind of like almost two tips in one. <laughs> uh, so to this point, we have, we have measured yeah, mm -hmm. and now we are at the step of okay, what's next? Yeah, um, you got <laughs> now do you got this data. This is actually a hard part, and we get a lot of clients who are like, "Okay, thanks for the data," and then don't do anything with it. Yeah, right, and that that's the next step is 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 organizing it and doing something with it. Um, now that doing something with it, that's that's kind of up to you. But what is very helpful is is organizing it in a way that is digestible to mm -hmm. to people. If you give somebody a people, if you give people a report. That is just text and it is three pages long. Probably cool. not going to read it. Um, <laughs> if you organize it in a way that has charts and graphs and is colorful and is is something that's genuinely useful, yeah. people are much more likely to or even to interact like um, there's a term for this, but like normal people speak, right? Not like technical, but like it boils it down to like one simple thought and it's like, okay, I can do something with that. Like I right. understand that mm -hmm. and here are all the things we can do to like overcome that or whatever. But if it's very like technical, I'm just like, whoop. Yeah, yeah, people will glaze over. So it's like, okay, we have these insights. Now, what do we do with it? Like, mm -hmm. tell me what is, what have we uncovered here? Yeah. So there's, there's in this Hodjar article, Sarah, that you mentioned, um, you guys should check it out, but they have some good um, examples and then explanations of, of different types of graphs that you can do. So mm -hmm. flow models, affinity diagram, which is not something I'm personally um, uh, familiar with, um, <laughs> but then customer journey maps. Yeah, which I think out of all those examples, the customer journey map stuck out to me. Like yeah. it's very important and how that could be so useful. Well, it goes back to like what an average person is seeing or um, it's very relatable. Yeah. And then, so not only do you analyze it, put it into something where everybody's going to understand, but you also want to share it with your team, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. If, if, yeah, if that wasn't clear, share it with your team, G gather everybody together. Maybe don't just, just, you know, email it out to everybody, bring everybody together to actually talk about it. 
Um, mm-hmm. So present it and then get people's feedback and thoughts on it in the, in the same I, way that you gathered yeah, insights. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to start um, coming up with actionable items. Once you start talking about the data, you can be like, well, and then like ideas start brewing and okay, well, now that we know this, like that changes this and um, people can start... The best things happen when people collaborate, I swear. Yeah. Totally. When and you got more minds in the room that are all looking at something, you're going to get different opinions. And like, yeah, you're going to get different perspectives, different ideas that come out of that room after meeting. And it could be virtually if you're a remote team, you know, <laughs> jump on a Zoom call together or something. Yeah. And I think everybody's fallen, had that pitfall of, okay, you have some great ideas or you put some insights together and then it just kind of sits there. When you have this gathering put together the physical next step, next action that must happen based on what you've done. Otherwise, it probably is going to get put to the back burner for a while. And going back to coaching, this is definitely a practice that we use not just like internally, but externally also. Like we will not leave the table until um, actual next steps have been defined and who's responsible for them and when they're due. And you see so much progress that way. Totally. Definitely. You see so much progress. And I just... (laughs) This lean market research is just so important. And we'll definitely post this Hotjar article Alex just mentioned, because I love that um, Hotjar, if you're not familiar, is um, it's a great product, a great kind of software product. But it said the CEO even of Hotjar had started two other companies and they had failed because he hadn't implemented this market research step to find out what his customers really wanted and to make constant improvements based on the research. So it's not only learning what the customers want, it's then, oh, using this real-time data to improve your product to... And you can tell it's something they take very seriously just off of how extensive that article is. Yeah, it definitely. Is, there is a lot packed in there for sure. It's good stuff. It's mm-hmm. definitely good stuff. So lean market research, you basically think, get out there, talk to your customers somehow, figure out how you can get in touch with them or potential customers even, find out data from them that pertains to the project service product that you are taking to the marketplace and then work on constantly improving that And I think, you know, like Ashley said, you get everybody in a room together, you are going to come out of there with probably even better ideas than your customers gave you. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, they gave me that jumping off point for this idea. But now I see this so much better and clearer and how this could help them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. Anyways, so lean market research, it's definitely a little more primary um, than secondary data for sure. And you might think that it's going to take a lot of time, but there's a lot of things that you can do to make it a lot easier, but it's going to be so valuable to you. It's definitely something that you want your team to invest in. So we know this is a lot to take in. Um, So yeah, anyways, (laughs) like I said, talk with your customers, find out what they need, what are their ideas and you know, I think always around here, we've always said, what problems are you solving for your customer? And I think that is still one of the best questions to always keep top of mind when you're thinking of market research. Like, what is this solving for my customer? And then, the, you know, lean market research just takes it a step further by going to ask them, what is this solving and getting their feedback from them? And I think we have also not only that camera example, but... um 
talking about thinking about our clients and where this has happened for them. I always think, Alex, of the video we did with the guy um, at Nebs, the Nebs customer, one yeah. of our clients. And when we were videoing his testimonial, I don't even know that our client knew this or that he was going to say this or that they were solving this problem for him. In the video, the guy is like, you saved me from a lot of heartburn. I can sleep at night because yeah. I know that my stuff is going to be on my job site the next day. And it was incredibly authentic too. Yeah. Uh, this guy had this a thick Boston accent. He was <laughs> yeah. speaking very authentically, very just kind of off the cuff. Yeah. And the way that he said it was super believable. Um, and yeah, it was like a, I, I sleep like a baby. But that's yeah. a great thing that for that um, client to incorporate maybe in their marketing messaging, right? Yeah. Like, um, we help you sleep better at night because you can count on us no matter what. And here's an actual person, you know, yeah. like who who can vouch for us. That's, um, I think but so they much better known. than just saying like, hey, we get your stuff there on time. Well, okay. Yay. Every company says that. <laughs> Show me. Don't just tell me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what problems are you solving? Show me. Don't tell me. All of this is great stuff. All this has to do with market research. But we do know that it, again, can be overwhelming, especially to know where to start or what questions to ask or just how to get the ball rolling. And that is why we did start the coach program by 21 Handshake. It helps you determine what is right for your business. Um, is this the lean market research that we talked a bit about today? Or is it that traditional market research? Maybe if you have a little bigger budget or maybe you just need that secondary data. So that is what a coach does. They help you point you in that right direction um, to, to tell you, okay, let's get the market research done. Let's find out um, what your problem saw or what your product solves out there in the marketplace, what people are saying about it. So then we can dive into our next step, which is branding, which we will talk about how to make applicable. I can't talk again today. <laughs> applicable to you next week. So we'll dive into branding next week. So you will want to stay tuned for that. And in case you wanted to know more about the coaching beta program, we um, are doing a little market research of our own with this beta program. And so we are offering it at a super great price. You'll want to go check out 21handshake.com slash coaching. That's 21handshake.com forward slash coaching. We have a great deal for you. And that is only for the first 10 people who signed up for our beta program. So if you liked this episode, we would love it if you left us a review. It really helps us spread the word about the show. And while you're leaving us a review, go ahead and hit subscribe as well. So anyways, until next time.